Today on the Stitches Podcast, it's bullpen talk. Our bullpen's too dominant and making baseball boring. We also reevaluate the three batter minimum rule. Will it actually affect the game? And we also discuss some of the best bullpen arms this year and what teams could use Craig Kimbrell in their bullpen. Let's get to it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Stitches Podcast. I am your host, Luke Manerfeld. It's just me and my brother, Noah Manerfeld, here today as Nick Budig's dealing with a, a migraine and Robert Stangler's computers are computer still working out some kinks, and he said he might miss a couple more episodes. So it might just be me, Noah, and Nick next week again. But for right now, it's just me and Noah. How's it going, Noah? Oh, it's going wonderful. Uh, it's beautiful outside. I got to enjoy the sun a little bit more. And uh, I get to I get to listen to baseball. Honestly, I think I watch baseball too much, but listening on the radio was a different piece of baseball that I miss doing. Did you like kick it out on like a lawn chair with like a glass of? Well, you're you just turned twenty one, so I you could have had a beer in your hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, with a lawn chair outside, and, you know, nice. enjoy the sun. Yeah. Did you actually have a hammock? I I actually had a hammock. Nice. Went out and hammocked, and uh, we're just chilling out there. Sounds like a good time. I'm glad the warmer weathers are here. Uh, it's been really enjoyable after the pretty rough winter we've had. Um, okay. So as I kind of introduced in the uh, at the beginning of the show here, we're going to be talking about bullpens and relievers and just kind of what's been going on in baseball this season and kind of the trend in the past few years and our thoughts. I wanted to kick things off with the discussion about um, what – relievers and bullpens are doing to the game a lot of there's a lot of debate on each side of the issue there's um bullpen dominance is it making baseball boring because there's not a lot of hits or is it just part of the strategy and part of baseball and something that hitters are gonna have to adjust to and i want to discuss that for a little bit i wanted to pull a stat up from last year i got from a 538.com article last year in 2018 41.1 40.1 percent of the innings thrown were by relievers just a crazy stat. Almost 50% of the innings were by relievers, which if you compare that to 30 years ago, I, I can guarantee you it wouldn't be close to that. So mm-hmm. Noah, bullpen dominance, matchups, lefty on lefty, righty on righty splits. Is this ruining baseball, all these analytics and bullpen usage? I don't think bullpen usage is ruining baseball. It's just another component to the strategy. Um, and if you look at it, Bullpens are dominant, but runs are still up. Home runs are up. Um, And if you ask me what's killing the game, I think it's strikeout rates. I think it's those three true outcomes that are killing the game. It's walks, strikeouts, batters are seeing more pitches than ever. They're striking out more than ever. Um, And, you know, it's it's with that home run craze, you're trying to get that spin rate or or the uh, exit velocity and the uh, launch angle what comes with that is the strikeouts. And honestly, I think it's slowing down the pace of the game. You're seeing, you know, a home run, but then you're also seeing pitchers dominate a little bit more in certain uh, scenarios. So I don't think it's the bullpen usage that's necessarily killing the game. I think it's the hitter strategy and the uh, way that pitchers are adjusting to the team or the, the hitters that are hitting. One thing that I think is interesting when it comes to bullpen usage, and I've, I've obviously heard the argument about the strikeouts and the launch angle, being contributing factor, but I think some of it has to be put on the blame of, well, not the blame, but 
rising velocities and and the increased use of matchups, I think that has to contribute. That's contributed mm-hmm. a lot to strikeouts. That now that I don't think that's contributed to like the launch angle revolution, but I think we're seeing a lot more strikeouts now because teams are more analytic based and they're using their relievers in a way that would lead to more strikeouts. Uh, you look at guys like you see the lefty on lefty matchup that used to be that that gained popularity maybe 10, 20 years ago. Well, now we're seeing every single batter has its weakness and that's going to lead to more strikeouts just naturally. I, I, I think I, that's interesting on if you're looking at the other side of the argument. I do think too, there is an issue with hitters are okay with striking out at a high rate, which did not, that's true. Was not, that was not the case 10 to 20 years ago. And you know, if if hitters made a more conscious effort to make more contact, there would definitely be less strikeouts. Although rising velocity does help with the strikeout rate. I think baseball is seeing such a rise in strikeouts and home run rates. I think I saw somewhere that this year there's the home run rate is bigger than even during like the steroid area, which is crazy to think about. And a lot of people contribute that to the to the ball being you know more tightly laced or the laces are a little bigger, so it creates more drag. Uh, launch angle is definitely to blame for that. And um, as as teams use more relievers too, we're going to see more hitters try to, I think, going to go for that boom and bust route because it's going to be impo- like, look at Josh Hader. It's almost impossible to get hit off that guy. And last night, Marcelo Zuna for the Cardinals hit a home run off him, kind of took advantage of a high slider. And that's pretty much you, the only thing you can do against these guys is just get your bat on it. And mm-hmm. they throw so hard or they – their sliders move so much that if they do hang one, I mean, this is going to go pretty far. It's just, it's hard to, bullpen usage is just, it's completely changing the game. And like you said, I don't know if it's in a bad way, but you can't deny that it's been such a huge change in the last few years, which yeah, is how bullpens have been used and how it's changed the game. Yeah, and bullpens have made such a big impact. We've seen even the way they use the bullpen in the last 10 years change with bullpen roles. And we've seen some teams... Uh, making a conscious effort to not have bullpen rolls. And in my opinion, I think that's uh, a new way to look at a bullpen, and it's a good way to look at a bullpen because if you have a closer uh, who is your only closer, and then you ask your setup man to close one night when your closer is not available, that setup man is not comfortable in a closer situation, or he's not used to being in that situation, so he's unlikely to perform. But if you have three or four players who fluctuate in and out of that closer role in a setup role and maybe a six-inning role, they're used to going in any sort of situation and they're more capable of performing in those places. And so I think that's just an interesting way to look at it. We've also seen openers come into play as well with the bullpen. And so managers are finding every way to utilize their pitchers. Um, and that's why we've also seen the addition of an extra 25 or an extra man on that roster now going to be 26 next year because – Pitchers are being used more often. You need more bench bats as well. And managers are just finding efficient ways to use their players. I think you can even get rid of the inning labels because exactly. teams are using just high leverage relievers and low leverage relievers and middle and middle leverage relievers now instead of looking at it as an inning thing. I remember a few years ago, the Baltimore Orioles in the wildcard game, Buck Showalter refused to use Zach Britton unless it was a save situation. They ended up losing that game. Mm-hmm. And he was high, uh, highly criticized for that decision. And I think today you're seeing kind of the the whole shift of that mindset. Has um, At that time, it was kind of some managers thought this, some managers thought that. Now it's pretty much every manager's thinking like high leverage, low leverage. It's not just an inning thing anymore. 
And right. uh, that's just how it is now. Right. And looking at that ninth inning, we've talked about it. Uh, well, we've heard it talked about so many times in the last five years. It's a different inning. But when you're a reliever and you're literally just going to pitch whenever you're asked to, and sometimes it happens to be the ninth, it kind of turns into just another inning in your head rather than you are getting one of the few save chances of the of the year when your closer isn't available. And I think that changes your perspective on it a little bit. And it makes your relievers more apt uh, to succeed in these situations. And, I mean, if you're a manager, you can't ask for um, or anything but more comfortable relievers. Mm-hmm. And I think this begs the question, the – Last few, the a couple of months ago, they talked about they're talking about implementing the three batter minimum rule for 2020, where a reliever would have to face three batters um, before he leaves the game, unless the inning ended. And obviously, it's been widely criticized. There's been no talks about it about MLB pulling it back. It looks like it's still going to be implemented. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how that comes into play here. We talk about the bullpen revolution. This rule is a direct uh, effect of that. And I, I was pulling some stats from a, a, an athletic article um, from a week ago, and they, they kind of analyzed what, how the three-batter minimum rule would affect the league if it was enacted this year. And it's hard to obviously it's hard to uh, measure that because managers aren't thinking like it's a three-batter minimum rule, so things could change. But as of a week ago, there was 153 changes, pitching changes under three batters in 167 games. But not all of those were, were um, would be affected by a three-batter minimum rule because the ending would have ended. So they analyzed it and said 53 of those would actually be affected by the rule, which equates which equated to about one in every three games and it saves about 40 seconds per game. So super uh, arbitrary, really. That's such a really small number for a, for a rule that's really supposed to speed up the game and the pace of play. Uh, Noah, the three-batter minimum rule, I was kind of on board when I first heard it, but... I, the more and more I think about it, I'm really not a big fan. Yeah, and you mentioned that athletic article. I, article I saw the same thing. I think another line in there was, out of the 75 batters faced in that small uh, sample, 28 outs are recorded. And it, a manager generally doesn't pull their reliever after getting such a few amount of outs unless they're really struggling. And I, I think we could see a side effect of games going longer or maybe incrementally longer, they're not, it's not going to slow down is the point. Because if a reliever is out there, pick, faces two guys, a, a batter gets a double, and then you get a single, you got runners on the corners, sometimes relievers just don't have the stuff. And you don't want them facing three batters because all of a sudden the other team gets on a rally, they have that third batter, they get a base hit right there, you bring in a reliever in a high-leverage situation, and the entire game has changed. Um, I think you're affecting the way that the game is played. And, you know, a pitcher should be able to get three batters. But sometimes they just aren't able to. And we can't control that. And I think it's not going to have the effect that baseball wants to. And it's why I think if you're going to slow or speed up to the game, you have. To, I think the pitch clock is really the only way to do it unless they can come up with a, a better solution. The three batter minimum is not going to work like they say it's going to. Mm-hmm. I completely agree, and I'm going to piggyback off that stat you mentioned. Pitchers who would have been affected by the rule, they had a 4.61 whip, and batters were hitting 500 against them. And if you think that's going to, if you think that's going to, maybe the pace of play increases. You're seeing a lot of hits, but I don't want to watch a four and a half hour game because the reliever can't get a guy out. 
it's one of the most frustrating things. I come home from work, I flip on a Cardinals or Twins game at 6.30 or 7, and it's a, I got to go to bed at 10.30, and it's only the eighth inning. It's one of the most frustrating things. I want to watch the rest of the game. But if this happens, I can definitely see where the game gets way longer. And, yes, maybe there's more hits, but they're not the fun type of hits. They're not the intense type of hits, you know. Uh, I like pitching duels. I like quick games that last three hours, right? Well, and if you're just a casual baseball fan watching a game, you can clearly see that pitching changes aren't the thing that's making these games longer. It's just a pitch has about 20 to 30 seconds in between the next one. That's the issue. It's not that we're seeing many, many pitching changes, because even during the regular season, yes, managers are making pitching changes throughout the game, but not nearly to the rate that they are in the postseason. It's the regular season. You've got to save your guys. I don't. That's just not the issue. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Yeah, I saw a video on Twitter, I think it was, where they were comparing the pace of play for a pitcher today and in like the 1960s. And you could clearly tell that the pitcher in the 1960s had three pitches in before the other the other pitcher had was just about to deliver her second pitch. And over a game, that adds up. So you talk about hitters stepping out of the batter's box, pitchers, you know, dropping the rosin bag or whatever. I think that adds more time than a three batter minimum would negate. And and that's I wouldn't even say that's like a big issue though. I think the biggest issue is is just. I don't. I, it's really hard to put a finger on because there's so many things, and you can't just legislate legislate this out. I think the game's going to have to come around on its on its own. There's so many different side effects you have to imagine. Well, and if you sit and you watch a softball game, for example, their pitcher or just everything is moving so much faster. Whereas with baseball, I know baseball's a relaxing game, and that's you know that's part of baseball's culture. That's part of baseball's image. But I think it's gotten to the point where it's it, they're they're too relaxed and they're they're just it's slowing down the game so much and to, times of games aren't going down even if baseball keeps talking about they need to bring them down nothing is working. Yeah, that's that's true. And uh, the three batter minimum rule just really wouldn't make a big difference. I think mm-hmm. it's really going to have more side bad side effects than it have good. I really can't think of really many that many good things maybe more strategy involved i think there'd be maybe more strategy involved but it's just i don't think it's a smart rule i think mlb should reconsider implementing it next year i think the players union should fight players union should fight back against it a little bit they haven't really fought against it i know they saw they they made that agreement but i don't know it just it's really kind of rubbing me the wrong way after seeing this early part of the year and what people have been saying mm-hmm. so okay well i want to get off some of the maybe the more depressing topics and get to 2019 and some of our favorite not our favorite but our best bullpen arms this year and why Noah you went with probably the most obvious choice I tried to counter a little bit but Josh Hader the closer slash high leverage guy for the Milwaukee Brewers uh, he's been just so dominant just take us through his stats this year and just what he's been doing for that that first place ball club he has been easily the best reliever he's already has I believe the most war out of any reliever in the game, he has a 16.2K per nine. And if you know anything about Josh Hader's last season, it was a uh, a record K per nine. It wasn't a record, but it was a very, very high K per nine for a reliever. He's topped that by uh, 0.4 strikeouts per nine innings. He's only walked uh, 1.8 batters per nine innings. He's given up 0.9 home runs per nine innings. He's just He's been absolutely dominant this season. He's got an incremental 0.9 ERA. 
That's right. Everything is basically below one uh, in that. In that. Yeah, game. he's only let up one earned run. I think exactly. last night against Azuna was the first time he's let up a run. He's pitched ten innings. He's he's so good. He's he's just too good, Luke. I don't I don't really know what else to say about him. Yeah, I I tried to counter a little bit with Edwin Diaz, the closer for the Mets, and last year he was on some. He I, no one was on haters level, but he's just a notch below it with the Seattle Mariners. And this year he's really kind of picked up where he left off. He's got a 1.35 ERA and six and a third, six and two thirds innings. And just like Hader, only one earned run, and that was a home run, just like Hader. And he's got 13 strikeouts and, like I said, six and two thirds inning, which is 17.6 strikeout per nine. We know, I know it's still early, but that these are some crazy numbers from two, I think, pretty unilaterally the two best relievers in the game. You think Diaz's strikeout per nine is better than Hader's right now, which is crazy. Uh, Diaz has really stepped up kind of his game for a team that's contending. The Mets are in first place, and so are the Brewers, and these two guys are really fun to watch. Another guy I've been super impressed with is the Cardinals closer, Jordan Hicks. Of course, I watch him pretty much every time he pitches, watching the Cardinals almost every night, but uh, seven innings, eight strikeouts, 2.57 ERA, so nothing's really popping out for him, but he's added a slider to his arsenal, and that's in addition to his like 103-mile-an-hour fastball. And the slider is nasty. And if he knows, he doesn't really know where it's going right now. So uh, <laughs> Yadier Molina behind the plate can help him kind of tame that a little bit. And if he can get his fastball and his slider working off each other, I honestly think Jordan Hicks could be better than Josh Hader. Just the way that, just how fast he throws in the movement on a slider. I think he has the potential to be Edwin Diaz and Josh Hader level. And I really want to see him take that step this year where he's not walking as many guys and he, he's he's uh, turning those walks into some strikeouts or maybe some really um, soft contact. So Jordan Hicks and uh, Edwin Diaz for me are the two guys I'm really a big fan of so far this year. You've got Josh Hader and who? Yeah, and my second guy, and if you want to talk about bullpen rolls, Taylor Rogers has not had a bullpen roll all season long. He's just mainly that high leverage guy. He's pitched seven and two-thirds innings. He's got a 1.17 ERA. He's given up one earned run since July of last year. That's ridiculous. Uh, he's got seven strikeouts. He's got one save, but he seems to go into the game, and he seems to step up to the plate whenever he's needed. Uh, Taylor Rogers has really impressed me out of that Twins bullpen, and it's a bullpen, too, that I expected Trevor May to be the closer, but really it's been Taylor Rogers and Blake Parker. Yeah, and uh, Hildenberger got his first save on uh, Sunday, I believe. He hasn't even allowed a run this year. Yeah. And his strikeout per nine is at 15. He's kind of come on the scene a little bit. He had a pretty good second half, didn't he, last year? Yeah, uh, he had finished last year, I believe, a five ERA. But, yeah, he really started the year off rough yeah. and found his stuff as he got late, and it's carried into this year. Yeah, and I, that Twins bullpen's looking a little more depth-filled as it goes along, and everyone's talking about getting Craig Kimbrell. But um, I don't know if the way he, they're pitching right now um, – I don't know if they, Craig Kimbrell really is needed, but I think obviously anyone would like to have Craig Kimbrell. Um, Craig Kimbrell right now is unsigned. It's just still crazy to think about. Mm-hmm. What teams kind of suit, uh, just kind of looking at the early 2019 numbers, what teams kind of suit his, what would kind of need him, or not need him, but would you be able to use his, his skills and uh, could kind of launch the team to the next level? I think if we're looking at teams that could use Craig Kimbrell, I mean, obviously, I think the Red Sox have to be in that conversation, even though I think Matt Barnes has been suitable, Ryan Brazier as well. If you're going to be competing for the playoffs and another World Series, if you're the Red Red Sox, 
you've got to have a Craig Kimbrell along those li- something along those lines. Um, we just talked about the Twins. They've been using Blake Parker, who's been pretty iffy lately. Um, and although I don't think they have a dire need for Craig Kimbrell, if the chance arises, I think they should go out and get him. The San Diego Padres have Kirby Yates, um, but another Craig Kimbrell would be great uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just a few teams that I think could could use Craig Kimbrell. But of course, any team that's competing for the playoffs could use a Craig Kimbrell, even the Brewers as well. Yeah, and you, the, I think another team, the Atlanta Braves, their bullpen has been kind of in, iffy lately. They've had A.J. Minter, who's kind of been supposed to be their up-and-coming closer. He's been kind of shaky this year. And the rest of the bullpen hasn't really been that good. And yeah. this is a team that competed for or won the division last year, but is competing again this year in a really tight NL East. So any kind of any kind of bullpen blow-up, any every game matters in that division. So I think Craig Kimbrell is even more infinitely more important in a, a division like that. And I think the Braves... Right now, I think I saw a rumor today that Craig Kimbrell is pretty close to signing. I think the Braves or the Brewers are the favorites. Um, the Brewers, Jeremy Jeffries is, is close to getting back, but they obviously lost Corey Knebel for the year. And mm-hmm. besides Josh Hader, the bullpen really hasn't been lights out. And I think they could use someone like Craig Kimbrell as, as a closer, and then they can move Hader in that swing role. Yeah, because they definitely like to use Hader in those high-leverage situations, and he excels in them. I don't think they want to use him in the ninth inning all the time. Uh, the uh, Chicago Cubs also need a closer. I don't know if they can get a Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, they, they have Brandon to... Morrow on the on the IL. Oh, too. you are right. Yeah. yeah so he could, right he could come back and, and be good. But I don't know how, how close he is to getting back. But honestly, they could still use Kimbrell because Carl Edwards has been really – he's down in AAA Iowa right now. Mm-hmm. He told – he's – struggled in spring training and they didn't call it they, they sent him down and uh Craig Kimbrell I think would fit in that bullpen too there's a lot of bullpens that could use him which makes it more surprising that he hasn't signed yet yeah and I think teams just don't want to spend the money on a closer at this and point. the draft picks yeah but, yeah and the draft picks but I think some team is going to be pressured to get Craig Kimbrell especially and, and I I'm per, uh, I'm personally on the boat that Craig Kimbrell won't be signed until after the draft. And I think there's going to be a team at that time who's going to have a struggling bullpen, and they're going to be pressured to sign Craig Kimbrell. And I think if he signed after the draft, the draft pick isn't really a ma- doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. Over. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense where he could sign after the, the All-Star break. But it seems to me there's been some rumors about his agent dropping the, dropping the asking price, and now there's rumors of him getting closer to a deal. I honestly think he's going to be signed within a couple of weeks, maybe within the week. I don't think he wants to sit really? anymore. It sounds like he's itching to get back at it. I could see him signing with the team this week. And like I said, I think in my mind, the Braves and Brewers are the favorites. Do you think it's a one-year deal? No. I think two or three. I don't I think see, Kimbrell's see, not looking for a one-year deal. Well, no, then he's going to have to do this all over again. I don't think he's looking for a one-year deal, but I, I do think that he's going to I, – I think – He's going to be forced to sign a one-year deal so he can somehow get that more security in next offseason. But what's the what's the benefit for a team signing to a one-year deal? Because by the time he's ready to pitch in major league games, he's going to be it's going to be about there's only going to be about three months left in the season, four or three three to four months. And I mean, a one-year deal just seems like it's a wasted money. Why not sign him to a two or three deal, have him pitch for this year, and then you still have him for next year and the year after that? And you don't I think. I think the Why would you waste is, a draft pick, though, with just a one-year deal? It just doesn't really make sense to me. I, I, I think, and that's why I don't think he's going to be signed until June, but I, I, I think teams are concerned that if he ends up falling off, 
they're going to be overpaying for a reliever. And relievers aren't that hard to get. Now, I know dominant relievers like Craig Kimbrell uh, are not very common, but bullpens can be filled with a lot of different pitchers. I just and, disagree because you look at the Red Sox right now, and their bullpen is struggling big time. And they're obviously their starting rotation has been really bad, but that's a team that won the World Series last year, and they lose Craig, Craig Kimbrell and some other pieces, and they're totally struggling. So I disagree that you can just fill this, fill those roles. And, and I, I do think there is, there are free agents uh, in the bullpen that you need. I think Craig Kimbrell could be one of them, but. To, to make a bullpen pitcher, it's a lot different than a hitter or a, just a normal starting pitcher. I think there's a different development. You see a lot of bullpen guys just suddenly break out, and then you see bullpen guys who are signed who don't do very well. We saw last year with Addison Reed. He struggled in the second half of last season. He's hurt this year. The Twins paid a lot of money, but then they have Taylor Rogers breakout, Trevor Hildenberger, guys who weren't really heralded prospects. So I think I think Craig Kimbrell may be a different case, but I do think in general in the bullpen, it's a really iffy position to fill through free agency. I just, I, I am very confident saying Craig Kimbrell is going to get more than what Wade Davis got last year. And that was three years for 52 million. I think Craig Kimbrell is going to get around three to 50, three years for 55 million. That's kind of where I'm putting the money at. I think his, I think his original asking price was like 68 million per year or 68 million over three years, which would have been about over 20. Yeah. Well, it was about like $20 million per year, right around yeah. there. And I think yeah. he's going to be asking for maybe a little under that. I think he's going to get more than Wade Davis. Um, Wade, he's he's coming off a better year than Wade, Wade Davis did when he signed his contract. No, I, I agree with that. I think the difference is the Rockies had a bigger need at a closer. So if That's Craig true. Kimball can sign with a team desperate enough, I think he can get it. Yeah, and I think there are some teams that are starting to get desperate. It's still early, so teams aren't really like crazy desperate yet. But the, the one argument I can see for him waiting till after the uh, – the draft is that teams aren't going to be desperate till then. But like I said, I, I think it's going to happen here soon. Um, I guess next week we'll find out if <laughs> if yeah. uh, he's any closer, if he's already signed. Well, that'll uh, that'll wrap up our kind of shorter show today. Uh, Nick and Robert obviously couldn't make it. We'll, we're hoping Nick will be back from his uh, migraine next week. We hope he's uh, feeling a little better. As always, make sure to check out our um stitcher itunes google play music podcast platforms we're on all of those you can subscribe rate give us some feedback we'd always enjoy it we appreciate you tuning in we will see you next week take care